as we sing hymn number 56 with the Lord You may be seated unless you celebrate a birthday and anniversary. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house and to have each one of you here with us. A few things from the bulletin. The ladies meeting coming up on the 20th at 7 o'clock. Uh, past the pirate program will be the 23rd. And uh, so look forward to that being the afternoon service, of course. Uh, Fall Praise Festival coming up on the 29th. We'll be going out to the Fosters uh, for that. Uh, at, uh, start around 4.30. Teen Fundraiser on the 31st. A Ladies Thanksgiving on the 5th. Daylight Savings Time, November 6th. And uh, then we'll be having Brother Martin Coon with us on Veterans Day. We acknowledge Veterans Day on November the 13th. 
A few things on the prayer side there. I ask that you pray for Nathan Hudson. Nathan had his uh, knee, blew his knee out, and so they knee surgery on Friday, and uh, he's recuperating, so pray for him. Uh, after they got done, the doctor told um, to Jeremy, so he's going to be really sore. Really be so you pray for him if you've ever had that kind of surgery. You know what kind of soreness do. So prayers. Continue to pray the rest of those that are listed there. And then I visit with Marty Bush uh, this week, and he's great. Great. Yeah. So we sure praise the Lord for that. And they're scheduling the next one. So here in, in November, I think that the other knee, and so that'll be. But it's good to be in the Lord's house today. God bless you for being here. Go to foster come back later on, and then we'll get to our Sunday school. Sing the first and last verses of hymn number 66 at Calvary. We've started in our new series, It's Not What You Think, and we are in lesson number one. And as you're finding your place there, you can be turning your Bibles to Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah chapter number Lesson number one is trust and obey. Um, very basic to the Christian life to make this statement, uh, yet it's something that we must exercise every day of our life. You know, we trust uh, the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, and it's crucial that we do so. Uh, but as we live um, and walk this Christian journey, we must remember and be reminded daily that we must not only trust, but obey what God says uh, that we are to do, as He has given to us according to the Word of God. Uh, so we find our place here in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8, and you might ask, uh, 
why do I need to trust the Lord? And this probably be something as you're witnessing to people and you're trying to share the good news of, of God with them. Uh, they might ask the question, why do I need to trust? Why should I put my trust in this God that you are speaking of? Well, Isaiah 55 gives us some clear uh, ideas and thoughts here regarding God. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my way, your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm thankful that we have a God who sees all, knows all, and is all-powerful. And He is working on my behalf, and He wants me to submit myself and my thoughts to Him. And I'm thankful for a God who knows everything. Uh, you had lessons from the first time. Do you not have any more? Are there any more back there, Brother Bob? Can you check? Okay. All right, so you just have to write it down if you don't have it. But. All right, so we must establish the fact that I... My mind is finite. I think we can all agree that. Our minds are finite, and we don't have all the answers. Certainly don't have all the answers. So I'm thankful we have a God who does, and that we can trust in Him. And I'm sure we can think of circumstances in our life, as we look back, where we thought a situation would go a certain way, but come to find out it just wasn't that way. We may assess people and size them up a certain way, and when we get to know them, they're certainly not the way that we thought they were. It applies to all areas of our life, and we need to be cautious, and we need to seek God's wisdom and His ways rather than our ways. And that's what Isaiah is trying to establish for us as we uh, walk in this Christian life, that we are trusting in Him in everything. You know, as uh, we think of all the things that we can trust in, there's a lot of people in our society that are trusting in many things. And they're going to find themselves greatly disappointed in trusting anything other than God Almighty. You know, they may be trusting in our financial system and they have great woe right now <laughs> in what's going on. They may have trust in our government. Boy, there's a lot of woe there. Um, there's a lot of things that people trust in. They might trust in themselves, that they can accomplish things, that they can get things done on their own way and their own behalf. But... The only thing that we can truly trust in and know that it's going to stand the test of time is to trust in God. So God wants us to, to consider this and consider that uh, in all that we do, that we would trust Him and obey Him. And we looked, uh, as we began this lesson, it's been, uh, what, three weeks ago now that we began this lesson, so you may have forgotten what we studied and what we looked at, but we are looking at things in the Bible that... Uh, and there's many examples as we go through the Word of God where people were beckoned by God or they were petitioned by God that they might trust Him, even though they didn't know, know how the circumstance was going to play out. But we see then, when they do trust God, that God fulfills His commitment and His promise to them. So we looked at, first of all, Naaman's need. And Naaman was a leper and he needed uh, healing of this leprosy. And we won't go through the entire story as we've already looked at it, but he had an idea in his mind of how uh, God would heal him of this leprosy. You see, it was told to him by a little girl that uh, there was a God, the God of the Jews, that was able to heal. And uh, he wanted to seek this healing, obviously, but he thought in his mind that it was going to be a certain way. But when God told him how to accomplish this healing, he was... Uh, a little disturbed by it, and he didn't want to do what God said, but lo, 
as he thought about it more and as uh, he was beckoned more by his uh, servants that he would do, just try what God says, just do it. And we see that he was certainly healed because he did it God's way. And then we looked secondly at the disciples' dilemma, and we got about halfway through this point, the disciples' dilemma. And if you would turn to John chapter 6, and we'll see this dilemma here. In all four Gospels, we see this story carried out. We read about a time when Jesus had been teaching a large crowd of people, and as the needs of people arise, and as you can imagine, this crowd of people got hungry. 5,000 men plus women and children, they were there and they had need to meet a physical need of their body to be filled with food. So in the evening, Jesus told the disciples that he wanted to feed the crowd that was gathered. The only problem uh, here is the disciples had no food and they had no money. They thought this was the end of the story. But Jesus, thankfully, had a different way of thinking. So let's look at John chapter 6 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, "Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so that... So the men sat down, in the number about five thousand, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remained, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. You know, we're familiar with these Bible stories, and I think sometimes we, we just skim over the miracles that are taking place here as Jesus is walking upon the earth. And we see here that He's performed a tremendous miracle in the feeding of the 5,000 plus the women and children, and He's provided for them, and there's leftovers as well. Jesus asked Philip uh, where they could buy bread in order to feed the multitude in verse 6 specifically tells us that Jesus asked because he wanted to see how Philip would respond. And there's many things in our life that God is asking us to do. And he wants to see how we're going to respond. And our attitude should be of that commitment that we're going to trust God no matter what. And we're going to obey him and what he's asking us to do. So he wanted to see would he respond in faith? Would he say, wow, I have no idea how we could buy enough bread, but you tell us what you want us to do and we'll do it. That's the attitude that God desires. Instead of a faith-filled response, Philip pointed out that there was no way they could come up with the food sufficient to feed these many people. So we see the fulfillment of the story. Jesus uh, did provide for the need. The disciples learned a tremendous lesson that they can trust Jesus with everything in their life. 
And we need to learn the same thing. We need to trust Him with all that comes into our life. And I read in a devotion this week, it was tremendous, and I'll just share it with you, about this very subject of trusting God no matter what. And again, there's many stories we could draw correlation to. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced with a tremendous challenge uh, that they were uh, required to bow down and to uh, worship this idol, this golden image that was created by Nebuchadnezzar. And they answered the king this way, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, they had some things settled in their life. They already knew that they were committed to God no matter what. And it doesn't matter what the king decreed, what he would require of them. They were going to follow God more than man. So he said, they say, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So, in life, there are many things that don't work out the way that we think they're going to work out, and we can all testify to that statement. So they don't always work out the way that we would like for them to, or the way that we would think they would, but negative circumstances, or even negative outcomes, should not deter us from serving God and following Him, and doing what is right. You see, those things are far more important than anything that we would uh, endure or go through in this life. Following God, doing what's right is of utmost importance. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had determined this in their heart. God is always able to deliver us, but that is not always His plan. Peter was delivered from prison by an angel, but James was executed by Herod. Our responsibility is not to control the outcome but to remain committed to Him and trust whatever He brings into our lives is for His purposes. The Roman Empire could cut off Paul's head, but they could not silence his message or cut him off from God's power and love. He said this in Romans 8, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That should be uh, the focus of our faith. That should be the focus of our trust. And that no matter what comes about in our life, we're going to follow God. And we're going to determine to do what is right. And that's what God is trying to instill in our lives as we uh, follow Him, as we serve Him, that we would trust Him no matter what. Now, there are times in our lives when we, we question what's going on around us, but we must remember and we must be determined that my circumstances don't change my commitment to God and I'm going to follow Him no matter what. So the Bible tells us and reminds us of, of this truth over and over again. We see it because it's crucial and it's vital. It's a foundational truth that we must have established in our Christian walk. And James 1.22 reminds us of this simple truth, yet... It's a very important truth that we are to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. So as we trust God, as we believe His word, then we must be doers of it. We must obey it and follow it. 
Jesus himself lived this truth as he chose to always do the will of the Father. In John 8, 29, and he sent, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So Jesus set the example for us of a good follower of God. That we are always willing to do what God asks us to do, whatever His will is, that's what I want to do. I want my life to please Him in all areas. So as He calls us to obey Him, it's a demonstration of not only our trust, but also our love for Him as we seek to follow and obey Him. John 14, 15 tells us that how we exemplify our love for God it is by this, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's how we demonstrate that we uh, fully trust him, that we want to please him, is if we will follow what he's commanded for us to do. Sometimes while we are looking for something great to do, we are neglecting the things that God has placed right in front of us. God says that obedience is so important to Him that He would rather us obey than do great works of sacrifice, particularly when the sacrifice is at the expense of our obedience. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, uh, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken is than the fat of rams. There's a story told, and many mothers and fathers will probably uh, understand this and maybe have similar stories. Uh, she had a difficult day with her young son, who was being particularly disobedient that day. Every time she told him to do something, he seemed to find some way to get around what she had said. Finally, she threw up her hands in desperation and shouted, All right, Billy, do whatever you want. Now let's see if you disobey that. And often we come to that place uh, where we're just uh, in children where we wonder if they will ever obey. And the sort, certainly the Bible gives us ways that we can teach them to obey. But God wants us in our adult life to be submissive to Him as well. And we need to be, uh, understand that uh, we belong to Him. And He knows what's best for us. And it would do us well to submit our lives and our ways and our thinking to Him and let Him direct our paths, because He sees far greater, and He sees into the future, and He sees well, what He desires to do with our life. And we just simply need to submit to Him and allow Him to control uh, the outcome. So God is more than able to overcome our obstacles and to meet our needs. He simply calls us to trust and obey. The last thing we want to see here. Uh, as far as an example of trusting and obeying, is that of Martha's miracle. If you turn to John chapter 11, Martha's miracle. All right. So three of Jesus' dearest friends were three adult siblings who lived in Bethany, and they were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And John 11 records that Lazarus became sick and Martha sent for Jesus. But rather than going immediately, Jesus waited four days. When he finally did go, he arrived after Lazarus had already died. So in Martha's way of thinking, and probably the way that we would think as well, is that Jesus 
if he would have just gotten there sooner, he would have been able to heal Lazarus and take care of that sickness that he had. But Jesus' thinking was that he would do an even greater miracle. So let's look at John chapter 11 and verse 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Even so, Martha, here in this story, came close to missing the miracle. She understood Scripture. and She understood what was going to take place in the end times and uh, the resurrection that believers would experience. She understood those things. Although Jesus specifically told her that He planned to raise Lazarus from the dead, she just couldn't quite believe He meant it for that very moment. Notice the dialogue that takes place here uh, later on in the chapter between Jesus and Martha at Lazarus' grave. In verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in Himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with the grave clothes. And his face was bound about him with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I'm always excited by the story of Lazarus, and there's many songs been written about uh, this particular story. But uh, I love the one from Greater Vision, where they uh, talk about uh, Lazarus coming forth from the grave and how exciting it is. And you can hear the excitement and the and the words in that. And as they uh, sing that song of what God has done here in raising Lazarus from the grave, and can you imagine being there on the scene as you see the dead man <laughs> rise and come up from the grave? Uh, what a tremendous miracle. Jesus told the people gathered at Lazarus' grave to do something you never hear someone say in a cemetery. And that is, take you away the stone, open up the grave. This instruction was the opposite of what Martha had in mind. And she freely told Jesus so. It had been four days. And Lazarus had been in the grave and he was buried there. And the decomposing process of his body would have already begun. Thankfully, however, although Martha objected to Jesus' instructions, she didn't resist them. As the sister of the deceased, I'm sure she could have stopped those who removed the stone, but instead she submitted to the, what Jesus Christ had stated and the command that He gave. 
And because she did so, what a miracle she got to experience. Jesus raised her brother from the dead. So what if Martha had not been willing to listen to the command of Christ and the stone had not been removed? What if she had refused the instruction of the Lord and acted on her own thoughts? She would have not have seen or experienced the great resurrection and power of the Lord. God is able to do anything. His power far exceeds our ability to, and even our imagination. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says this, Now unto him who is able, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Luke 137 reminds us that nothing is impossible with God. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for Thee. Aren't you thankful that we serve an all-powerful God? That He is able to work on our behalf. That He is able to move uh, in great ways, in mighty ways, and perform miracles in the lives of His children. The only thing that limits the Lord is when we refuse to obey, when we refuse to believe. This is the very thing that happened in Jesus' own hometown. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 53, we see the story here. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, He departed thence. And when He was come into His own country, He taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom? And these mighty works. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary, and his brethren James and Joseph, and Simon and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended in him. But Jesus saith unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. What are you holding back God from doing in your life today? Because you don't believe, because you don't submit, because you don't obey and follow God's leading in your life. Imagine how different the people's lives in Nazareth could have been if they would have only believed in Jesus. They would have experienced His miracles, and best of all, they would have believed Him as their Messiah. Jesus not only raised Lazarus from the dead, but He also conquered death itself when He rose from the dead. In Ephesians 1, Paul told the Christians at Ephesus that He was praying for them to have their understanding opened to the greatness of Christ's resurrection power on their belief, on their behalf. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19 says, He was stating here to the church at Ephesus, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ, when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places? God wants us to be committed to Him. And He wants us to fully trust in Him. And as we submit ourselves and trust to Him, then He wants us to act upon that trust by obeying Him. There's kids often do things and they are trusting because they don't know any better than to trust. And Paisley's going through a phase where she likes to play some new games. 
And one of the new games she likes to do is this trust fall thing, and she gets a tremendous kick out of it, and we do too. Uh, but she just throws herself back, and she's just hoping someone will be there. <laughs> Fortunately, she doesn't start until we initiate it, but, but she's trusting that someone will be there to catch her. We, in the same way, can trust that God will be there for us. He will always be there for us. And we simply need to trust Him. No matter what situation comes up in our life, we need to trust Him. You may be going through a time of loss, a time of grief. We need to trust Him. You may be up against a challenging situation. We need to simply trust Him. Don't miss what the Lord desires to do in your heart or in your life by unbelief. He may or may not choose to work a miracle in your situation, but He certainly desires to work in your life in the exact ways that He knows uh, is needed for you. We can trust Him. As God sees all and knows all, He sees our whole timeline from the beginning and end. And He has a will and He has a desire for your life. And that will and desire is for you to please Him, so He knows how you can please Him with your life. And He wants to orchestrate your path what does psalm remind us of that he is a light unto our path a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path and he wants you to submit then to him in this area of trust so in these three stories that we've looked at here naaman's need the disciples dilemma and martha's miracle we see a repeated pattern take place there was a person with a need do you have a need today? You don't have to raise your hand, but we all have needs. So God sees a person with a need. Then, secondly, God gives instruction. If you have a need today, go to God. Seek instruction. Thirdly, the person struggles with those instructions. Now, hopefully, we have enough trust in our life that we don't struggle with point number three. That we would simply... Ask the instruction, be willing to follow it. But we see in this pattern here, because of the human nature that is in all of us, that we struggle understanding God's ways. Because what does Isaiah say? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and His ways are higher than our ways. So we struggle with those instructions. Number four, the person chooses then to trust and obey. And because they have done so, fifthly, God works in ways he could not, those people could not have imagined. So what about you? Do you see yourself in that sequence? Is there something today that you need to go to God for and ask His instructions? And then as He gives the instructions, are you willing to trust Him? Are you willing to act on those instructions in obedience? Are you like Naaman in need of cleansing? In need of cleansing from sin? Jesus has already provided the payment for your sin. Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ was willing to pay the price for sin's penalty upon death of Calvary's cross and shedding His precious blood for you and for me? All that is needed is for you to trust His payment and obey, not by doing works, but by calling out to Him for salvation. Are you like the disciples or Martha up against an impossible situation? God does not tell you to do the impossible. He tells you to trust Him and obey in the specifics. He will do the impossible and He will display His power on your behalf. 
You know, there are things that come up in our life, as I mentioned before, that we just don't understand the way out. And I'm thankful we have a God who does, and a God who wants to help us and to guide us and direct us in these areas. And in doing so, He displays His glory. And as we trust and obey, now think about how important it is for us to trust and obey, and that our life would be pleasing to God. But think about the the side effects of that, if you will. As we submit ourselves to God, as we obey God, others see that. And they see how God works on our behalf. Now think about some of these stories we've mentioned, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they displayed a trust in God, the effect that it had on those around them. As they saw God deliver them from that fiery furnace. Think about the impact on the lives of others around them. Think about Daniel in the lion's den and the tremendous testimony of, of what God did. And now think about these New Testament stories of the miracles that Jesus performed and because of those who trusted in Him and obeyed Him, the impact that they had on those around them. So as we trust and obey the Lord, we're having an impact on those through a witness by what we do. Because we are trusted, we say that we love God, we say that we believe in God, but the way that we prove that to the world is by following Him and obeying Him, doing those things that He's commanded us to do. So we have a tremendous responsibility, not only for our own Christian walk, but for the lives of others around us. Boy, we have a tremendous responsibility that we might display Christ, that we might lift Him up, that we might glorify Him in all that we do. And might we be established in this fact knowing that God knows best. And I'll leave you with the uh, closing with our verses here again, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, that we might establish these, uh, these precepts in our mind and in our heart and that we would allow them to guide our life. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We can trust God. We can trust Him with everything, knowing that He simply knows what is best. You know, there are things going on in our world today that are disturbing to us. Thankfully, we can trust God. And we can be faithful to Him. And He will be faithful to us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We're thankful for who You are. Father, we're thankful that we can trust You. And Father, you are a loving Heavenly Father, and you seek the best for us. And Father, that the best in your eyes may not be what we would deem best for our life, but we understand that you see better than us. And Father, I pray that as we understand these truths, that it would reaffirm in our hearts and in our mind that we would trust you more each day. Father, I pray that you would establish that commitment in us, that we would simply follow you faithfully no matter what. Father, I pray that as we Commit to trusting you, that as you give instructions in our life, as you guide us and direct us, that we would humbly submit ourselves to you, that we would allow you to direct us. And Father, as we submit ourselves to you, then we would see how you would work, that you would be honored and glorified through our lives, and that you would be pleased with our service. Father, I pray that you would just help every one of us to follow you in this way, And Father, I pray that as we display trust and obedience in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and God our Father who loves us and seeks to work in our lives, that it would be on display for this world to see. 
that they have a tremendous need in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I pray that we would be that living testimony of the Word of God living through us, that others might come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray now that you'd be with the service to follow. Speak again to our hearts. I pray that we would be open and receptive to hear your Word. And I pray that we would leave here changed, that we would draw closer to you. Father, we thank you for all these things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your kind attention. We have about... uh...